All right. Good afternoon, everybody. I have a word for you today. Let's turn to First Timothy chapter four. I'm going to read the whole chapter together before I start my message. I'm going to read from the ESV. First Timothy chapter four. It's toward the end of the New Testament. I'm going to read in the ESV, whatever version of the Bible you have. Just read along. It's a powerful passage here. Starting from verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Though the through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage... And require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourselves for godliness. Somebody say godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, some of y'all need to get with that kind of training, I'm saying. But godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture to exhortation, to teaching. I'm trying to do all three right now up here at this pulpit. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders lay their hands on you. And how many of y'all know there's something real that happens when a man of God lays his hands on you? Practice these things. Devote yourself to them. He says it again. Devote yourself so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by, doing so, for, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Everyone say amen. amen. Title of my message today for the media team back there, tech team. Don't get robbed by Facebook. Let's go, right? Don't get robbed by Facebook. I was on Facebook this past week, and I saw a link to an article. The article was written by the author of the spoken word piece, Why I Hate Religion But Love Jesus. It's a popular video that went viral maybe a couple months ago. His name is Jeff Bethke. I don't know if that's the way you say his name, but it's Jeff Bethke. Okay? He's actually uh, under the covering of Mark Driscoll. And uh, I knew this guy was a reformer when I looked at his videos. And uh, 
you know, people criticized him. There was this one guy in the Gospel Coalition that tried to criticize him and stuff. But I stood with him. And I said, amen. I was like, preach. I felt like the things that he was saying was right on in that video about why I hate religion but love Jesus, right? It was actually inspired by one of Mark Driscoll's book. Anyway, all right. And he, and he wrote a little blog entry on his blog about social media. Okay, and here's what he wrote. I became more consumed with spending an idea of Jesus rather than being consumed with Jesus himself. I chose talking about Jesus over Jesus. What a crappy trade. I realized it was a problem when one morning I woke up and I was more excited to check my phone than have time with my creator. I was like, oh, Sam, that's me every day. <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit's conviction just start to hit you right now. It's gonna, we're going we're gonna to go deep today. I began to care more about what others said about me rather than what God has already said of me in Jesus. I wanted to hear others' feeble affirmation of me rather than God's firm and secure affirmation of me in Jesus. The biggest reason we are all so entrenched in social media is simply because we want someone to care about us. Anyway, I read the whole blog. It's a real good blog. If you ever get a chance, go read the entry. It's not that long. And when I read this, I felt the heat of the Holy Spirit's conviction on my heart. Because for a very long time, let me testify. I am one of the forerunners on Facebook. Let me just say that right now. I'm one of the forerunners. Before Facebook went public, before any of y'all ever, even had an opportunity to get an account, I had an account, right? Because Facebook started at Harvard, went out to the Ivy Leagues, and then NYU got in, eventually included within that same year. So having an NYU email address, I was able to get a Facebook account. And in the beginning, nobody was on Facebook. Everybody was on this blogging site called Zanga. You know, people had all these stupid Zanga entries, but everybody would read through their feed and... Look through these pictures, and I, mean, I was Zanga King, man. I used to get like, I used to get like a hundred e-props for entry, 30, 40 comments. I mean, I, I used to blog like I was, re, I was devoted, but I would use a lot of it for ministry purposes because I was uh, with Campus Crusade, and I was reaching out to a lot of college students because I knew that they were on Zanga all the time. So I write my blog entries, and I've been trying to revive my my writing. I feel like that's something God's put on my heart. I haven't done it yet. I've kind of done it, but not really. Why? Because eventually, Facebook took over. And, f- and before anyone had Facebook, I, I, was, I, I had this prophetic inclination. Facebook's going to take over the world. <laughs> and so I was trying to convince people, hey, you guys, Facebook's powerful. You guys need to get on Facebook. And so I was doing this uh, conference called CM 2007 for Campus Crusade. It was a global conference, one of the first ones where they ever flew in everybody from all over the world to come to this conference in Korea. And I used Facebook as a medium to get people connected for the conference. And so a lot of the older leaders, senior leaders were like, what is this thing? Who cares about Facebook? And I was like, you're wrong. This is the wave of the future. And then at that time, uh, here at New Philly, it used to be called JSCM. I used to come out to church and tell everybody, get a Facebook account. Everybody get a Facebook account. All right, people who've been around, you know. I was one of the four runners, all right? And eventually, everybody got a Facebook account. I was the Facebook evangelist. 
And, you know, after a couple years after that, it was tipping point. Bam! And then everybody got Facebook. The whole world got Facebook. And Facebook blew up and they made a movie about him and everything, right? But in, my, in the process of being a forerunner for this technology that I feel like is a very powerful medium that can be used for a lot of fruitful purposes, in the process of being the Facebook evangelist and forerunner, I have not guarded my heart properly from the dangers of Facebook. And there are many dangers to Facebook indeed. Just like a knife can be used to cut your oranges, to cut up a steak. Some of you are all fasting right now. I'm sorry about that. A knife being a powerful tool that can accomplish those things, the knife can also have its dangers. And when it's not in the hands of a mature and sound-thinking individual, a knife can be very dangerous. The dangers of Facebook. So right now, today I'm going to talk about the dangers of Facebook, the deception of Facebook, And then I'm going to end with the consecration of Facebook. Okay? So let's start with the dangers. What are some of the dangers of Facebook? Well, before I talk about the dangers, I want to establish one thing. And this is for all the religious folks out there. Facebook is not the devil. Okay? Before I talk about the dangers, let me just establish that right now. Facebook is not the devil. It is not Satan. It's not a satanic trap that Satan uses to, you know, steal away all your time, although it may feel that way. Okay? Facebook's not the devil. And for people who don't go on Facebook, who close out their accounts in like this, you know, protest that nobody else is joining. <laughs> you know, you know, some of you in here might have closed down your accounts for different reasons. You know, I'm, not, I'm not hating on you, but I'm just saying, people who just refuse to go on Facebook... Sometimes I don't think they realize how selfish that action can actually come off. Because yeah. <laughs> you recognize all the dangers, you think, all right, the best thing is just to close it down. But when you close it down and somebody goes to, they just took a picture with you at a church event, took a picture with you at your birthday party, and they go to tag it because they want to share the joy of that shared moment that's captured on the picture. And they go to tag you and they can't tag you. Why? Because when they type up Mark Kim, every Mark Kim in the world shows up except you. Because you close down your account. And so it, come, it can come off very selfish. It's pretty much coming off like, you know, you know, I, I only relate to people in the real world. You know, and come off, and come off actually quite self-righteous, a little bit prideful, a little bit stuck up. I'm not saying that's what's ha- what, why you did it. But I'm just saying it can seem that way. So don't think that, you know, you appear all wise. Oh, oh yeah, Paul Park closed his Facebook account. What a virtuous guy. No one's thinking that. No one thinks that. I don't know what you're thinking in your mind. No one's thinking that. Everybody's on Facebook. You know, a lot of the traditional older, older um, aged pastors these days, you know, Rick Warren indicted a whole bunch of older pastors recently. And he said, when all the young people went to malls, we went to malls to evangelize. But today, all the people aren't at malls anymore. 
They're on Facebook. So if you want to reach young people, we got to learn how to be on Facebook. We got to utilize this medium for kingdom purposes. You know, and a lot of these older pastors are like, I still disagree. <laughs> Facebook's a devil. How do you even use this thing? <laughs> you know, and I'm just saying, I'm just saying, look at your congregation. Average age is 65. Everybody's retired. You're doing more funerals than weddings. Maybe, maybe you're missing something. Maybe you're not reaching the young people as effectively as you think. All right. So anyway, that, that's not me. That was Rick Warren. He, he was, uh, he did it more nicely, but you know, he was just indicting some of these pastors. Uh, also, if you don't open up Facebook, it can come off paranoid as well. You know? Oh, I can't, I can't go on Facebook. Why? Because my company is going to look through my Facebook account. I was like, all right, well, there's different settings you can set so that you don't get tagged in, in pictures that are incriminating. And, you know, and if you just be careful with what you post, it should be fine. You know? They're like, no, 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 I can't. I can't. And so they, they, it comes off real paranoid. And really, some of those people do, do need healing and deliverance. They need to be delivered from some of that. It's anxiety and paranoia. But I'm, I'm telling you, once again, Facebook is important, all right? It, it, because it's uh, human beings, whether you're Christian or not, you are, you are created to be communal. You're created for relationship. Once again, animals don't have that as much as we do. It doesn't come near as, as much as we do. Like I told you, you know, if there's a pack of animals, you watch the, these nature videos, and a lion comes and carries off a zebra... You know, other zebras aren't like, oh, they're not hesitating. They're like, see ya. (laughs) Animals just are not created to be relational. We are. Now, animals have some degree of relationship. I understand that, right? But once again, man, you will never see the type of relational communal value that humans do place. That's because we're created in the image of God. God is a relational being. So we're created in his image, and therefore we value relationships. So anyway, there are, uh, actually, before I talk about the dangers, let me talk about the good things of Facebook. Just so that I establish that I, the reason why I was a forerunner for Facebook. Because I do believe there are good things about Facebook that we should recognize and redeem for God's purposes. One, I believe God can speak through social media. God can bring to your attention a cause, an article, uh, Maybe the cry for help from a friend. You know, there's stories of people that post the status update saying, I don't want to live anymore. And everyone ignored that status update. And because nobody commented, nobody liked it, that person ended up committing suicide. You know, there are stories like that. Right? And so God can use social media to direct your attention to very specific articles, status updates, things like that. God can speak to you through Facebook. Um... Through Facebook, we get content from people that we care about the most, right? Instead of getting newspaper articles from CNN, from New York Times, they've never sat down and had a single meal with you, but your friends have. And if your friends look through these articles and they think it's important and they post it up, now you're getting content delivered to you 
that's from the people you care about the most. Okay. Uh, Facebook also enables us to connect with people that we would otherwise never connect with ever again. That's a powerful thing. You know, uh, around two years ago, all of my high school friends started getting on Facebook. You know, and um, a lot of people when I was growing up in Philly used to say that Philly is a city, uh, it's the gayest city in the United States. And when I became older, I realized uh, how true that statement was a little bit, you know, because I was working as a lifeguard at a pool one time. And one of the... Thank you. I don't know what that yeah was about, but uh, I remember I was working as a lifeguard, and there was a guy working at the gym nearby. And there's this black dude, and he came, and he was like hanging out with me, talking to me. And I was like, yeah, this guy, this guy, is, he's real cool. He's real chill. And I would bring my guitar to the swimming pool, right? Because I was a faithful lifeguard. And I would just sometimes, I'd just chill, because nobody would be at the pool. I'd just chill, playing my guitar. And he'll come out, he'll be like, what you playing? What you playing, dog? And I'll be like, uh-uh, I'm playing, you know, I'm playing some, you know, alternative rock. Because, you know, I was re- really into Pearl Jam and Nirvana and all the Seattle bands back then, right? I'm playing through things. And he's like, oh, that's hot, that's hot. I'm like, you know these songs? You know, he's like, he's like yeah, yeah, yeah. But can you play some country? And I was like, what? A black dude in Philly? He likes country? There's something fishy going on. So I was like, all right, I know this one song, and I will play it. And he'd be like, yeah, yeah. He knew all the lyrics and stuff. So I just thought he was just a little bit, you know, unique. Well, one day he invites me out to hang out. And uh, after work, you know, we hop in his car, and, and we drive. And he's like, yeah, I know this, this uh, hot place that we can go and just chill at. I'm like, all right, all right. I think there's some children in here. I can't get into it, right? Anyway, he took me to this real shady place. And there was like chains and stuff everywhere. It's like a it's like a cafe with like leather chains and whips everywhere. Now, hey, don't worry, don't worry. It was just a cafe, but there were leather whips and chains everywhere. And I was like, this is not your ordinary cafe. So I got a little uncomfortable, and because you know I'm trying to evangelize him, you know, really, I'm, I'm trying to be a witness to him. So I'm willing to do go through all that. But I didn't realize that he was trying to actually witness to me about something else. So I'm like, yo, yo, I'm not comfortable, man. This, this cafe, there's something wrong with something, something weird about this. So he's like, all right, it's cool, man. There's a club right across the street. Let's go to the club. I'm like, all right, what's the name of the club? He's like, Woody's. And I said, all right, Woody's. Sounds like a friendly club. Okay. Kid you not, we go into Woody's the moment I step into the door of the bar. There were like five men at the bar. All of them were men and they all looked at the door and they saw my young Asian face. And they gave me a look that I, that made, that made, made me go, this is not safe. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, anyway, I found out that later on he was, he was, he was extremely gay. All right, this guy was gay. <laughs> hey, he tricked me, though. He, he showed me a picture of his girlfriend. So, man, he was throwing me off, man. Anyway, where was I? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I'm on Facebook, and I'm connected with all my high school friends. And, uh, you know, a lot of my high school friends, they ended up staying in Philly, and they either uh, got consumed by the drugs and violence, or uh, a lot of them became, uh, got really involved with the homosexual lifestyle. You know, and so I, you know, my heart kind of went out, and I realized that the way I update my status, I need to kind of be sensitive to the fact that they'll be looking. You know, and so I don't, I don't get all religious and Christianese on my, on my status updates, if you notice. You know, if you want to kind of be salt, you know, you don't want to be so salty people just spit you out the moment they taste you. You know, you got to be strategic. You know, and so, anyway, man, it's, it's caused me to connect with people that I really lost, I never thought I'd connect, reconnect with. And some of those relationships is just blooming. And God's using it. And I'm able to minister to them or they're able to connect me with different people. Now, Facebook connects you with people that you would never even. These kingdom connections are being formed through Facebook. You're able to be a, a, a witness through Facebook. And there's good things about Facebook. An intimate community can be built up through Facebook. Okay, If you go on our Facebook page today, and I think maybe two-thirds of you are on our Facebook page. We have a Facebook page used to be called fan pages. And, and people were like, fan pages? Huh, why would you have a fan page? All right. Well, this Facebook ended up changing the name to just Facebook pages. It's called just Facebook pages now. And our church was one of the first churches in the world. Hey, I told you I'm a forerunner. Okay. I'll testify right now. We were one of the first, because when, when, the, when the actual page concept came out, all right, no churches were on it. And I put New Philly on there. I just felt the leading of the Lord. The Lord said, do it. And I said, all right, Lord, I'm going for it. And we created this Facebook page. And we got maybe like 50 likes, 60 likes. And then we started putting up postings of church events onto that page. And we'll tell people, hey, Friday Fire is not at Hillside today. It's at E101. You know, we'll give them last-minute updates and stuff. We connected it to Twitter. You know, and so people on both accounts can kind of see all the updates. And then we started posting pictures. So people who weren't friends with everybody especially newcomers, they can just go on the Facebook page and look at the pictures. They don't have to be friends with, like, a photographer like Alan. Because, you know, Alan's, you know, he, he's a sociable guy. He's a likable guy. But, you know, he's not going to add you after meeting you once, right? So, you know, it's hard to see his pictures unless, unless you're friends with him. So you can put it onto the Facebook page and put up videos. And, and, and that was about, I think it was about less than two years ago. I can't remember exactly how much time. It's been about two years, right? And right now, our Facebook page has almost 1,100 people on there. When I go speak in Australia, when I go speak at another church, and they like what they, what they hear, they come and they're, they're like the New Philly page or they're like my uh, ministry page. I have a Facebook page personally for my personal ministry. You know, and that's where I put all the Christian updates on, very explicit on there. You know? And uh, after that, man, other churches started catching on. I'm telling you right now, man, there are like mega churches that are still trying to catch up because they haven't used Facebook. They haven't thought of it strategically. And so they're still trying to get everybody onto the Facebook page concept. The Facebook group, I knew it was, it was being phased out in terms of using it for church public ministry. So I'm telling you right now, Spirit of the Lord, let me, man. <laughs> and we've been using that powerfully to build community. And it's a powerful, it's a powerful tool. And we share our inheritance on that Facebook page, our sermons, 
and, and people that don't come out to Friday Fire, that can't come out to Friday Fire, they're still able to get a powerful message. Like this past Friday Fire, Pastor Anita preached a powerful message about what is your profession. And she showed clips of uh, the movie 300. And it was powerful, man. And we put that on our Facebook page and people, people are listening. People are getting blessed. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, there's a lot of good things. And so, I mean, there's a lot of good things to social media. I can go on and on. But Jeff, the spoken word guy, he said, the question comes down to, it's not whether Facebook is good or bad. Because there's a lot of good things to Facebook. The question comes down to, how are we stewarding Facebook? How are we stewarding it? Now, now let me get into the dangers of Facebook. Danger number one. Facebook is addictive. Do we have any people in here that can, that can relate to that? You can relate to the fact that Facebook is kind of pretty, it's addictive? <sighs> the rest of y'all are liars right now. <laughs> Facebook is addictive. Um, Facebook can, can act like a drug. When you get on Facebook, there's like this high that you feel. Like, oh, yeah, let me see what's going on in other people's lives. Let me see what articles are popular. Let me see what pictures got uploaded. And there's like this high. And you don't even know like this girl that, you, that added you as a friend you saw once in your high school reunion or something like that. But you're looking through all of her vacation pictures. And you're like, wow, I wish I could go to Phuket. I wish I can go to Indonesia. And you're just looking through all these pictures. And there's just like this high. And it's the same high that a drug addict will feel. And it just makes you feel so good that you just, you just stay on there. And you just lose track of time. Next thing you know, you're there for an hour and a half, two hours. And you didn't even, you're supposed to do something else, by the way. You know, you got a midterm coming up. And you're like, you know, what, what am I doing, you know? It's like a drug. It's addictive. It gives you that high. And just like a drug, when you get that high, you kind of get numb to that high. And you need more to get the same high. So Facebook, by its nature, once you get on there, if you're not aware of its dangers, you consume the same amount, but it doesn't give you the same high. So you consume more. And you start looking and and stalking people that are not even your friends, but they have their profiles public. And you're just looking through them. What kind of person is this? Who is this person? Who is this person is interesting, you know? And you just, you just start going after all kinds of content. And you spend all these hours. Facebook not only numbs us to that high that we get and we, we, we want more. Facebook also can numb us to the voice of the Lord. You know why? Because when you look through like these mini feeds, you look through all the things that people post, your mind is trying to process things. And even after you stop looking at it, your mind is, especially if you're melancholy, you're processing everything. And when you're busy processing so many different things, you're so busy, your attention's so busy that you're not able to put your attention with patience upon the Lord's voice. Now, the Lord can speak in a lot of ways. He can speak through the word of God. He can speak through a preacher. He can speak through a prophetic word. He can speak through, uh, he can speak very clearly through situations. He can speak in a lot of ways. But one way that the Bible describes is he speaks to us through his still, small voice. But what Facebook does is 
When you become so preoccupied with social media, it numbs you to that still small voice. Because the free, the first free moment you have, what do you do? Get on Facebook. That first free moment, that boring moment you get, you don't embrace it. You don't go, let me try to listen for the still small voice. What is the Lord trying to say to me today? What is he saying to my relationships? What is he saying to my situation? You don't say that. You don't stop that. You, don't, you, just, you, just, you get that boring moment. I'm bored. Let me do something. Get on Facebook. Get on Facebook. Get on Facebook. Like... <laughs> You go to a cafe, there's a computer, get on Facebook. You're on your smartphone, get on Facebook. You get on your laptop, get on Facebook. Every free moment, and Facebook's just tyrannizing it. It's that addictive quality. It's a danger. But let me, let me add here that Facebook is more addictive like sugar than it is like drugs. Because drugs are inherently harmful. So I don't like that analogy. So I'll take it back. Okay? Facebook is more addictive like sugar than it is drugs. Because drugs are inherently evil. Facebook is not. There's good things to Facebook. But same, same thing with sugar. Sugar is not inherently evil. Sugar is good. It gives you energy. You know, back in my high school days, I used to wrestle. And as a wrestler, I had to make weight. Okay? And my, my normal weight as a 15-year-old was like 125 pounds. I was kind of skinny back then, right? I don't think I'm that much heavier now, but... I was about 125 pounds, but my wrestling weight was 103. My freshman year, my wrestling weight was 103. My sophomore year, my wrestling weight was 112. Okay? Now, as a wrestler, you want to get all the fat out of your body and get only lean muscle tissue. All right? And so I would work out in the gym, and I, and I get this, like, six-pack. I was, like, buff, right? Get all the fat out. And I would, I would go down to 103 my freshman year and then 112 my sophomore year. But then in order to make weight, you just couldn't eat. You'd be like, how can you wrestle without eating? All right? You'd be surprised. You don't need to eat to wrestle. All right? What you do is you go to the bathroom and you spit. You cut class and you spit all day. Okay? Listen to me. You spit for an entire hour, you can lose two to three pounds. That's a lot of spit, right? But it worked. I guarantee you. Every wrestler will tell you. All right? Throughout the day, you don't drink too much water. You just, you just go to the bathroom and you spit all day. You, t- you take a Tootsie Roll. You take a Tootsie Roll, put it under your tongue, and it makes you salivate. You spit it all out. And you don't swallow any of that Tootsie Roll. You just swallow it. You just spit it all out. You lose all that weight, and then you get on that scale, and then... And if it's too heavy... One time it was too heavy, right? And I was at Northeast High School, this other high school. And uh, there were all these, like, female managers around and all these uh, men coaches, right? All my coaches were around. And, and the, the scale was, like, barely touching. Like, tuk, tuk, tuk. And the coach said, Christian, you know what you have to do. And I said, Coach, come on. I, I'm there. I'm pretty much, I made weight. He said, Christian, you got to do it. You know what to do. So I took off my underwear. <laughs> okay, it happens all the time in wrestling, all right? So I take off my underwear, and it's like just that little bit of ounce I need to make weight. Okay, now, that's not what I'm trying to get at. I'm getting off on, on tangent. After I make weight, I put on my singlet, you know, I put on my wrestling gear. 
And right before the match starts, you know what every wrestler does? You drink a cup of iced tea and a banana. That's all you need. A cup of iced tea and banana. The sugar in the iced tea and the potassium in the banana, it, it offsets whatever imbalance you had in your body and all the deprivation your body suffered. And in that moment, that sugar rush comes. And all your muscles you've been working out so hard, they just get inflamed with blood. And you get out there and you're able to, to beat that other guy. Now, sugar, sugar inherently is very helpful. It's good. It can be good. Most people don't use sugar like this in, in this wrestling way, right? Most people eat sugar, consume sugar, drink sugar all throughout the day without realizing how much added sugar there is in today's products. Every single product you ate probably yesterday had added sugar in it. Did you have a muffin? Added sugar. Did you have some juice? Added sugar because most of these juices aren't organic these days. Soda? All sugar. You know, soda is really water and sugar, those are the main ingredients. Water and sugar. Well, they don't use real sugar. They use um, uh, s- s- corn syrup. You know, it's like, it's like, but it's the same thing as sugar. It has the same effect, right? It's a, it's a form of fructose. And, and then they put, like, fizzle. You, nobody can ever probably get you to drink a cup of sugar and water, but put a little fizzle, and you're like, oh, snap, give me as much as I... Oh, I need some, I need some soda with my burger. Okay, but all that sugar, I, I put a posting on my Facebook wall. I mean, it's a public posting, right? You can see the video. Uh, I think it was 60 Minutes did a story. 60 Minutes is a powerful journalism to show. You should, you should all watch it. It's for free on, on their website. You can see, see the little clips. And they did an investigative show on sugar. And how sugar, a lot of scientists these days are finding out through studies, is actually one of the leading causes of heart disease in America. Because sugar, when, it's, when you consume too much, your body doesn't know what to do with it. It ends up going into your bloodstream as fat. And then that fat accumulates in your arteries. And the most common cause of belly fat that all of us struggle with is sugar. It's not fat. You know, eating fat, we think because they use the word fat, fat must equate to fat. No, it doesn't. There's actually really healthy fats, fatty acids and things. You've got to consume that fat or your body will store more fat. Do you know that? You need to eat fat so you don't get fat. Most people don't know that. Most people cut out the fat. They cut out the protein. They go all carbs. But they're finding out it's actually sugar that causes the most fat. On top of that, there's another study that's showing that sugar spikes causes your insulin to spike and in turn... It feeds cancer cells that you might have in your body. So if any of you have a cancer cell in your body and you're consuming a lot of sugar, when you consume that sugar, you're actually causing those cancer cells to grow faster. So there's a link to cancer right now. So, you know, the, the, the jury is out, but there's a lot of very clear tests that come out. And so sugar is good, but sugar is addictive. And when sugar is not controlled, your consumption of sugar is not controlled, Sugar can cause heart disease, cancer, and all kinds of negative effects in your body. So that's why I like Facebook more like sugar than drugs. In low consumption amounts, it could be a very good thing. It could be a helpful thing. But when you let it run loose, it can destroy your health. 
in more, day, more ways than one. Uh, Facebook is addictive. Facebook is enslaving. It can be enslaving. You guys ever remember the movie Terminator? In the movie, the, the synopsis of the movie is, in the future, men and, scientists, they create robots with high artificial intelligence. And these robots, they have such high artificial intelligence, these robots, they malfunction and they start turning on humans and they start enslaving the human race and eradicating the human race. Crazy robots, right? Don't, don't build robots with too high of artificial intelligence. But on top of that, these robots also have the ability to time travel. <laughs> and so these uh, robots from the future, these cyborgs, right? They travel through time and they, and they come back um, to try to kill off uh, one of the sons of one of the future leaders of the uh, guy that's going to rise up and lead the humans to fight against the robots. Anyway, so, so Arnold Schwarzenegger in movie number one is a bad dude. And he comes back from the, from, he comes from the future and he's there pretty much to kill uh, John Connor. Uh, No, to kill John Connor's mom. I'm sorry, Terminator number one. John Connor's mom, Terminator two, John Connor, Terminator three, I forgot. Okay. (laughs) All right, so so the premise of the movie is that this technology that is meant to serve us, these robots that are meant to free up our time so that we can spend our time on the most important things, ends up enslaving us ends up picking up guns and traveling through time to enslave us even more. Okay? And so I want to play off of that. Technology is meant to serve us. Amen? Right? Your smartphone is supposed to serve you. You are, the, you are to take dominion over your smartphone. And it's supposed to free up our time so we can spend our time on the things that matter the most. But when we are not careful, because Facebook can be so enslaving, we end up serving the technology and it enslaves us from spending our time on the things that matter the most. And we are not careful. It's already happening. Don't let technology be the Lord of your life. Jesus is the Lord of your life. And he gives you a mandate. Take dominion over the things on the earth. Every good thing that I've created for you. Take dominion over it. Take dominion over Facebook. Take dominion over your car. Take dominion. (laughs) Take dominion. (laughs) But let me point out the biggest danger of Facebook. The biggest danger of Facebook is Facebook will rip you off and rob you Without you even knowing what happened. Facebook will rob you blind. So the title of my message is called, Don't, let, don't, don't Get Robbed by Facebook. Okay, so let me tell you how, how Facebook robs you. How many of you guys like a good deal in here? You guys like a good deal. You live for that good deal. You know, H&M, that's my store right there. You know? You know, Amazon... <laughs> G Market. Oh, G Market. Oh, yeah. God Market. Oh, yeah, yeah. God's giving me G Market so I can find the best deals in Korea. Hallelujah. That's why I go to Costco. 
Well, in America, but in Korea, Costco is more expensive. And hopefully the FTA will help drive down those prices. You guys, some of y'all live for that deal. Uh, my, my wife, Pastor Aaron, man, I, I, I will offer to buy her something nice just once in a while. You know, I don't do it all the time. Once in a while, I'll say, honey, that's a really nice shirt. Why don't you, I'll just buy it for you. She'll be like, well, it's $99. I'm like, well, that, whew, you're right. That's expensive. <laughs> $99? Was it made of gold? <laughs> but I love you, honey. And, you know, I just, we don't do it all the time. But let me go crazy today. I'll just buy, buy you the shirt. She'll be like, no, I don't want that shirt. I don't want that shirt. I don't want that shirt. And she'll go to the clearance rack. And she'll find, like, a $30 shirt on sale for, like, $11. And she'll be like, oh, honey, look at this shirt, $11. <laughs> and she is more happy with that $11 sale shirt than a $99 shirt that I was willing to buy her. Because she's always looking out for that deal. And some of us, we live for that deal. We love getting a deal. Now, on the other hand, that's how you feel when you get a good deal. But how do you feel when you get ripped off? Think about the biggest rip-off that you've ever gotten in your life. Let's think about it. I'll give you some examples. What are some things that you got ripped off in? Oh, my God. I disregard that. This brother said Apple computers. And I said, that's a lie of the devil. That's a lie of the devil. <clears throat> the, the ripoff is, the ripoff is, you got five Windows laptops and none of them have been able to serve you well. That's, that's the ripoff. That's the ripoff. So many viruses, right? Anyway, all right, let's go. Any other ripoffs here? Religion. True that. All right. Sometimes you go to church to find Christ, to find true Christianity, and church can sometimes give you a rip-off version of religion. Tell a bunch of do's and don'ts that doesn't really connect you to God. What What are some other rip-offs? Hunger Games. Hunger games. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it. All right, but you have not convinced me to to go see it either. Uh, any other rip-offs? Any other rip-offs? Jordans. Uh, you felt like Jordans were a ripoff? Fake Jordans. <laughs> now, now, sometimes on the black market, you know, you, you can get some really nice quality goods these times, these days, you know? But uh, yeah, I understand, all right? Any other ripoffs? Taxi drivers at night in Korea, yeah. You gotta be careful. At night, they don't pick you up on purpose. If you go to uh, the middle of the city, like Urjiro, Ipku, or places near Gangnam at night, they intentionally will not pick you up, especially on a cold day. And they, they're lowering their window, and then you might say, I'm going to Chamshil, uh, I'm going to Myeongdong, I'm going to Mule, right? Mule, or something like that, right? That guy was keep driving. And you're like, what the heck? Right? What they're looking for is, right, triple. Right? They're looking for you to say, I'm willing to pay three times the amount, because I'm, I'm that cold right now. And I've been standing out here for two hours. It's illegal for cab drivers to do that here. But they break the law all the time. Anyway, it's a ripoff, right? Ripoff, especially at night. Sometimes they might. I, I don't think most cab drivers don't charge up the meter, though. It's just they do that practice. They don't even pick you up. Anyway, man, no one likes a ripoff. Why? Because you're made to think you're going to get one thing. And then you, get give, you, you are given something entirely other. 
something cheap, low quality. No one likes to rip off. Well, you see, the reason Facebook is so dangerous is because if we're not careful, Facebook can give you the biggest ripoff of your life. Let me tell you, explain to you right now. Facebook offers you the worst deal in the world. They say, if you spend time on Facebook, you will be delivered rich content. You will be able to connect with your closest friends and family. Spend time on Facebook, and it will be time well spent. But because of that addictive quality of Facebook, we end up spending so much time on Facebook. What we don't realize is we're giving up one thing to get hours on Facebook. And we're failing to realize what we're giving up. And in that sense, we're getting ripped off. What are we giving up? Let me point out some things that people easily give up. And they don't tie it to Facebook. But, oh, believe me, it's tied to Facebook. What do we give up? We give up our peace. Sometimes there's a crisis happening in your life. And you just need that moment to pray. You need that time to center upon Christ. You need to talk to somebody that's going to speak some words of ministry to you, encourage you. But what do you do? You get on Facebook. You spend three hours on Facebook to try to comfort yourself. At the end of the three hours, you feel worse. You feel absolutely no peace about the crisis you're going through. It just robbed you of your peace. You could have spent 15 minutes talking to somebody or in, or in prayer. And you, your crisis would have been all put in order. And you will be able to have that hope to walk through. But Facebook just robbed you of your peace. Facebook will rob you of rich relationships. You know, we're communal people. We're relational people. We're supposed to have deep, fulfilling, rich relationships with our friends and family. With our church community. But Facebook... Rips you off. Says, here, you can connect with all these people. But what Facebook doesn't tell you is, if you take this, you got to sacrifice this. And this is rich relationships. Let me testify. I may confess right now. Let me not testify. Testify is positive. Confession. Confession can be a negative thing. Here's a negative thing. A lot of times, Pastor Aaron and I, We complain about how we have such little time to spend with each other, talk to each other, pray with each other. We talk, we complain about that. We're really experts at complaining about that. But if we, if you really measured how much we spend our time together, most of the time she's in one room on her smartphone on Facebook and I'm in the other room on my computer on Facebook. And we will even comment on each other's things. Right? And two, three hours will go by. And then I'll come in the bedroom and I'll be like, honey, man, we just have no time to talk. I don't know why we are so blind. Facebook's ripping us off of a rich marriage. Don't get robbed by Facebook. If Facebook could rob you, it could rip you off of your growth. Of your growth and maturity as a person and as a Christian. Let me tell you something right now. If you spend on average three hours a day on social media. If you total it all up, you'll say you spend about two to three hours a day on social media. If you spent even half that time reading a good book. You would mature probably ten times faster in a given year. 
If you spend even one quarter of that time praying or reading the scriptures, your clarity and revelation and the power of God that you move in will be at an exponential level. That's how much we're giving ourselves away to Facebook. That's how much we are getting ripped off. We're being sold a, 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 a group of goods. What? <laughs> we're, we're a bill of goods. We're being sold a bill of goods that is worthless in some ways in comparison to what we give up. Don't let Facebook rob you. There's a lot of dangers to Facebook. Let me, let me talk about the deception of Facebook. Here's the deception of Facebook. Time spent on Facebook is time well spent. This is a lie to the enemy. Let me tell you something right now. Some of y'all in here, you come out to Sunday service here at New Philly. And some of the common complaints among newcomers, if you're a newcomer, listen up. Some of the most common complaints of a newcomer is New Philly service is too long. Give me my neat little American hour and 15-minute service. I miss those little hour, 15-minute services where I connect with God on a shallow level and I connect with other people on a shallow level. I miss the hour and 15-minute service. I miss, oh, I miss it. Oh, why so long here? All right. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. Why is Pastor Christian's sermon so long? He promises to go 45 minutes every week. And every week he, he breaks that promise. What a bad spiritual father. You know, and, and people, people say, all right, man, your sermons are too long. Or maybe you're listening by podcast. And you're like, man, I w-, and you're a leader at the church. And you know that you're required to listen to every sermon that I preach. And you're like, man, I hate this. <laughs> sermon's so long, Pastor Christian. Hurry up. Hurry up. Hurry up. All right. Okay. So what you're really saying is you spend two to three hours on Facebook and Twitter and surfing the internet in an idle fashion. You're telling me that that is time better spent than a couple hours at the house of the Lord once a week. Or an hour sitting at the feet of a powerful man of God that's giving you fresh revelation from heaven. You're telling me, you're telling me that Facebook is better time spent than just an hour sitting at the feet of a man that's anointed to preach the word of God to you. Just once a week. One hour, once a week. All right, I understand I'm not getting going 45 minutes. Today, well, I've already broken it. But I do promise I will keep trying. It's your lack of prayer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. I'm playing, I'm playing. I'll try harder. Anyway, uh, stop clapping so I can finish my message. All right. Uh, what you're pre- really, really saying is you're believing the deception time spent on Facebook is time better spent than in the house of the Lord. Or you shouldn't be reading certain Psalms then. Because certain Psalms says, better is one day in your course than a thousand elsewhere. You should be saying, man, better is one, better is two hours at New Philly than a thousand hours on Facebook. That's what you really should be saying. <laughs> but most of y'all in that deception. No, no, no. My time is better spent on Facebook. I become a better person. 
All right. That's deception. That's just a lie of the enemy. Another deception on Facebook. I'm being social. That's why they call it the social network, social media. I'm a social king. Woo! Look at all the people on me. But the whole time, you're not socializing once. Right? Because, let me check it out. Last time I checked, being social means you interact with another live human being. That's what social means. Building a relationship means you talk to somebody that can talk back. But a lot of people think, man, I'm on Facebook all the time. Man, I'm, such, I'm forming such great relationships. But the truth is, no. You're actually sacrificing great relationships to be on Facebook that long. It's just not wise. Another deception is I'm more connected than ever. Yeah, you might, you might be. You might have thousands of friends. You know, but it's the worst feeling in the world is when you come to a crisis in your life and you got 3,000 friends on your list and you post up like a little status update expressing how much you're, you're struggling and not a single person cares. Why? Because when they look into that mini feed, when they see like a crisis status update and they're not really, they don't really care for you, nobody wants to get on there and comment and say, oh, I'm praying for you. Oh, I, I, I want to support you. Most people don't do that. And so if, you, if the thousand, thousands of people on your friends list don't really care about you, you find out the hard way in the time of crisis that you might be more connected than ever in one sense, but you're not at all. Because you're not investing into those few relationships to get it rich, to get it to a place where they will say, what's going on? How can I pray for you? Relationships takes investment. If you're not willing to invest, you're not going to reap intimacy. If you're not willing to sow in vulnerability, if you're not willing to sow in your time, sow in encouragement, sow in honor, you're not going to reap intimacy. <clears throat> we got a bird in here. <clears throat> oh, let me, let, me break, let me break up this one, one deception. Facebook knows what is important to me. We, know, we deceive ourselves into thinking that Facebook must care about me and therefore must know what's important to me. Because that little mini feed tells me. I'm able to tell it what's most important to me. And then eventually it learns what's important to me. And it gives me what's important to me. Okay. That's a deception. Here's news for you, right? Facebook's mini feed is not a person. Can I tell you that? There is nobody with a beating heart on the other end looking through your account and going, wow, this person is interested in this. They're interested in that. These are the ones that were important to them. Click. Oh, there you go on your mini feed. No. The mini feed is an algorithm that is built by a computer nerd with social ineptitude. <laughs> probably. That has poor social skills as it is. And they're building this little program that's attempting in its best way to predict what you might like. But there's no personal touch to it at all. Facebook's mini feed does not know what's most important to you. But you know who does? 
Well, yeah, number one, God. (laughs) Holy Spirit, he knows what's most important to you. He's a person. And if you will pay attention to him and spend some time gazing upon the face of Jesus, Holy Spirit will give you a mini feed. You ever ever get into the place of prayer and it just feels like a mini feed? And just like, oh, snap. Oh, these things are important. Oh, wow, I didn't think about that. Oh, snap, I hurt this person the other day. Oh, snap. It's like a mini feed. Right? People who don't know what I'm talking about, you need, you need, to, you need to get some prayer from me after service. All right? But a, a lot of people in the house, they're going to experience prayer that way because that's how the Holy Spirit can sometimes speak to you. He'll just start popping stuff. And if you just spend a fraction of the time that you've been spending on Facebook in the presence of the Lord, you will get a mini feed that will revolutionize your life, that will improve your life. That will lead you in wisdom and understanding. You know, the mini feed, this is my best analogy. Imagine a buffet. Big buffet. The biggest buffet you can think of. Like the buffet the size of World Cup Stadium. And you're like, oh, snap, this is a buffet. (laughs) It takes you like two hours just to scope out all the food. Crazy buffet. That's a big buffet, right? But when you go and scope out the food, the buffet has a whole lot of bones and just a little bit of meat. What a ripoff, right? You're like, I spent $200 on this crazy buffet, and all I get is a bunch of bones. And there's meat there. Oh, don't get me wrong. There's some meat there. But you got to go through all the bones. You got to get all these bones. Hey, hey, servers, can you carry away some of these bones? Oh, sure. Here's some more bones. And you got to look for the little bits of meat. The Facebook mini feed is like a buffet with a lot of bones. You spend more time spitting out bones than you are actually eating meat. And that should put it into perspective how much time you should really give to it. Do you hear what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit should have a bigger say in what we read than what Facebook's mini feed says. Amen? Amen. And uh, I'm going to keep moving. Let's go to point three, the consecration of Facebook. I'm going to close with this, which means I got another 15 minutes left. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm going to try to close it. I'm going to land it right here. The consecration of Facebook. Turn to 1 Timothy 4, verse 3 to 5, what we read earlier. 1 Timothy 4, verse 3 to 5. And and we read it in the ESV earlier. Let me read it here in the NIV. It's very similar. Actually, I think this is... No, this is ESV as well. Let me read it in the ESV. I'm going to read from verse 3 to 5. 1 Timothy 4. They forbid marriage. These are some people that the Holy Spirit says in latter times are going to be led by deceitful spirits, right? It says, they, will, they forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created, for everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy, or in the NIV says, it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Where am I landing at today? I talked about the good things of Facebook. I talked about the dangers of Facebook. I talked about the deception that is there in Facebook. Here's what I want to end with. 
I want to talk about the consecration of Facebook. Because there are good things there in Facebook that we can receive, that we can be ministered by, that we can use. But we got to have an alertness to consecrate this social medium. Do you hear what I'm saying? Everybody say consecration. consecration. It says here, everything created by God is good. That includes Facebook. That includes food. That includes sugar. That includes Mountain Dew. That includes sex. <laughs> no, it really is. It really is. And uh, the Neoplatonic uh, belief back then, especially it was influenced by Augustine, was that sex is evil. Sex is not a direct good. It's, a, it's only good because it can bear children. That's like the, the, uh, it's like the Catholic Church's mindset of, of sex because it was so influenced by Augustine. That's the part of Augustine I don't like. I did a research paper on him last semester on his view of sex and marriage. And I was like, man, this guy is not being biblical. Why? Because you read through the Song of Solomon, what's it talking about? Sex. Talking about sex. It doesn't say you have sex so you can have babies. It says you have sex so you enjoy. And you read it yourself. <laughs> There's some parents and aunts and uncles here today. And I would like to be on my best behavior. Anyway, it says everything God created is good. Nothing's to be rejected. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received, if it is made, uh, received with thanksgiving, and if it is made holy, if it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If we receive Facebook as a gift of God with thanksgiving, and we consecrate it by the word of God, that's what I'm doing here right now with this teaching. I'm trying to consecrate Facebook in your minds for you. We consecrate it by the word of God and prayer. We are to receive it. It is to be received, not rejected. Now, here is some suggestions of how you can consecrate Facebook by the word of God and prayer. Here's a, here's a very practical guideline. Limit your usage for social media, Twitter, whatever it is. Limit it to once a day. Okay, that's not a legalistic requirement. I'm just giving you a suggestion. Here's one way you can consecrate Facebook by the word of God and prayer. Limit it, your usage to just once a day. You know why? That's what the notifications are for. So in case you only go on once a day, you can catch up on everything that's important. But I'm telling you right now, if you check 12 times a day, you're spending all this time cumulatively that you don't even, uh, you don't even measure. But it's actually a lot of hours you're spending on there. And it's actually more destructive because it's distracting you from important things you're supposed to do through the, through the day. And if you're at work and you're spending most of your time on Facebook, and I feel guilty right now. <laughs> if you're at work and you're spending most of the time on Facebook, the Bible says you shall not steal. If you're using your time for personal social media surfing during work, work hours, you're stealing from your boss. Don't think God doesn't see that. God doesn't just think of a pencil being stolen or money being stolen. Time. Time is one of the things that the devil loves to steal. Thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I'll tell you right now, the devil loves to steal your time. You know what pornography really is about? It is a theft of your time. Because for a Christian, when they struggle with pornography... They don't go on there like, I'm going on pornography. It's like, no, I must not. I must resist this. This is not good. This is lustful. 
and you resist it for like two hours, and then you watch it for 30 minutes, and then you repent for another 30 minutes. You spent three hours struggling with pornography. What do you think really that is? It's really a theft of your time. But, you know, social media has the same effect when you're not guarded, when you're not consecrating social media. It's a, the devil is a thief, and he's stealing your time. So here's my suggestion. Just go on once a day. And you know what? And my suggestion would be go on once a day for maybe one hour. And according to your measure of your faith, maybe an hour and a half. You want to do two hours? Fine. Go two hours. If you have that kind of free time, go two hours. Okay? But set it in advance. So that you don't end up staying up to two in the morning. And you're tired at work the next day. Oh, my, my boss is so horrible. Oh, my boss is so demanding. No, you knucklehead. It's because you stayed up to two in the morning. Look at that Facebook. What did you gain from the three hours spent on Facebook? Nothing. Why? Because everybody was sleeping. <laughs> the only people that was updating their feed were living in Seattle. And you don't know nobody in Seattle. <laughs> Go to sleep. Go on once a day, one hour. That's just a, a guideline, all right? One way to consecrate Facebook. You know what John Piper said? This convicted me. John Piper said, one of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that our lack of prayer was not from our lack of time. Piper has a way of words sometimes. And when I, when I read that quote, I felt the fear of the Lord. You know why? That means in heaven, they are measuring how many hours you spend in your lifetime on Facebook and Twitter and other social media sites. Can you imagine if today, heaven by a prophetic word can give you the amount of hours you spend over your lifetime on, on Facebook how shocked you will be at that number. And then, and then they give you a bar chart. This is how much time you spent on Facebook. This is how much time you spent with your wife. This is how much time you spent calling your parents. This is how much time you spent reading the word of God. This is time. Oh, snap. We need to, we need to zoom in on this pie chart, this bar graph, because your time spent in prayer is not visible. It's not visible. Zoom in more. Zoom in more. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> Man, that is. So, yeah, I mean, actually, as I'm preparing this message, I made a consecration vow, consecration promise, a renewal of a commitment to the Lord. Uh, and, you know, I'm and I'm kind of sharing it with you guys so you guys can keep me accountable, you know, and it's pretty much to go on Facebook once a day. And I think that's going to really free up my life to focus on what's really important. I'm going to have greater clarity on what's more important. It's not that cure all. But it roots out a really big problem. And if it's not Facebook, hey, brothers, let me point it out what it is. 
It's your fantasy basketball league. Fantasy baseball. All the women, they know what I'm talking about. If you're married and you got a husband that's addicted to fantasy sports, which is like where you manage your own virtual team. All right. There's nothing sexual. All right. It's just a (laughs) fantasy sports. Just want to let you know. You go on there, you manage your team, you trade for your own players and all this stuff. You know how many, how many men are addicted to fantasy uh, games online? Or some of y'all is uh, StarCraft, WarCraft, WitchCraft, whatever craft. <laughs> hey, I don't care if it's not Facebook. If it's something else, identify it. Consecrate it. Take dominion over it. And let me tell you how you really should be spending your free time. Let me read to you 1 Timothy 13, 4, verses 13 to 15. It says, until I come, this is how you should devote, uh, spend your time. Devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse. Immerse. Somebody say immerse. immerse. Say, somebody say baptize. baptize. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. What did he just say here? He said, devote yourself to public scripture reading, to exhortation, to teaching. He said, Use your gift, don't bury it, and practice your gift and immerse yourself in all these things so that everybody can see your progress. Let me ask you today, are people able to see the progress of your spiritual growth? Or the only thing they're seeing is idle status updates? I'm not saying uh, you, you, don't, you can't do it. I'm saying you should, you should consecrate it. So I don't want anybody in here going away from this message feeling guilty about going on Facebook. That's not the point of my message. The point of my message is steward. Steward these technologies. Don't let the Terminator come and become your master. You are supposed to take dominion over technology. And use it for the glory of God. Y'all say amen? Amen. amen. Why don't you close your eyes? Uh, praise team is going to just lead us in the closing song. Because time spent in the house of the Lord is time spent well.